Pastor Ryan, I thought you were staying around to sing the solo. I was excited. Well, good morning. Good to have you, church, this morning. Uh, this week has been quite the, the uh, mix-around because I wasn't supposed to be preaching this morning. I was supposed to be preaching next week. Uh, Pastor Doug Payne was supposed to be with us, and he'll be with us next week. Uh, because, uh, and keep, keep her in your prayer, but uh, the pastor in Gainesville, nope, it is Gainesville, pastor in Grace Point uh, Church down in Loganville, his daughter was involved in a car accident as well. He attends Trevecca, and so that pastor was, is, tr- is with his family in Nashville, and so Doug Payne is with them this, this morning. So keep Abby Baggett in your prayers as she recovers and uh, that family heals from that. But this morning, uh, I'd like to offer you this word this morning. If you would stand, and I'll read Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. When a, cr- when a great crowd gathered, and the people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, Jesus said, a, tower went, a, a sower went out uh, to sow his seed. And as he, as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into the good soil, and when it, it produced a, a hundredfold. As he said this, he, he called out, Let anyone who with ears hear and listen. Then his disciples asked him what is this par- what this parable meant he said to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of god but to others i speak in parables so that looking they may not perceive and listening they may not understand now the parable is this the seed is the word of god the ones on the path are those who have heard and the devil and the, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and may be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But those who have no root, they believe only for a while and, it, and in time of testing fall away. As for what fell am- among the thorns, those are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by, by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. The fruit does not mature. But for those in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear and hear the word, hold it fast, honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience, with patient endurance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, this morning, I offer this a sermon about a parable that I'm hoping you've heard many times, because the ones that have heard this before, this who it's, that is who it's for. But we hear about a parable about a, a farmer, and gardening is always something that people love to do. Um, it's a hobby. It's a, something that they find rest and peace and rejuvenation in and find joy doing. Uh, there's one farmer in our midst, uh, Gerald. He, he produces such great things. Uh, there's several times we've had jalapenos and okra and zucchini, all these things that have grown in his garden. And I heard at one point that his garden was flooded from his pool, but from the fruit that I've had from his garden, it's pretty good. So maybe splash some more pool water up there. I think it might help. We see 
this garden or gardener, this uh, uh, farmer who's working, and I'm reminded of uh, me and Hope when we first moved to Georgia. I was coming out of Trevecca, and I, I needed to find anywhere to live quickly, so I found this small little one-bedroom um, apartment, and she eventually um, came and moved it, went, moved in with me after we got married. But there was no garden uh, to speak of. We just had this small little like four by six slab in the back that we could sit a chair on and look at the woods. Because um, we, we, we got the great view that's right up against the, the back gate of the, the apartment complex. So there was very little sun coming in because that was the only side with windows on that side of the building. So there was no hope of gardening. There was no hope of growing really anything. I even had a plant in my apartment that eventually died because there's just, there's no light in there. Uh, but um, over time, we were um, at, at uh, Grace Point Church, and we were able to settle for a while. We moved into a house further out, and it w- had a much bigger yard and much more room to garden and to grow, and Hope was very excited. So we started out small. We got uh, made a little above-ground garden, uh, like a four-by-four four, um, structure that we made, and she planted all kinds of things in it. She planted tomatoes and herbs and some peppers and uh they grew exactly how they were supposed to in this little plot. We, we, got, we got the, the nice soil from Home Depot, and they grew well. Um, even when Hope um, got a job that ha- the hours more, were more intensive, she didn't have time to really till it and take care of it and um, take the weeds out of it and the tomatoes. We didn't put a basket on it, so they just kind of grew into like a bush. Um, but they grew and they grew, and, we had, and our dog at the time, he would love to like sprint around the house because we had so much room for him to run. And every now and then we'd see a red ball in his mouth. And we're like, where'd he get that from? And he'd be running and running and running and he'd throw it down and pick it up and realize it was a tomato. So he loved to go get a tomato or even one, one time he got a pepper and I think he regretted that. Um, but he would run until it was mush and then he'd chew it and swallow it down. But there was another time Later that fall, we, were, uh, we had a couple pumpkins on our porch. We had this nice garden, and w- we even thought about maybe put it, like making it bigger and putting something like that, but we had our normal little pumpkins on our porch, and then once Halloween had concluded and those pumpkins were less normal and they were starting to sh- shrink down, we decided we needed to get, take them off the porch. Um, and I was like, hey, let's throw them away. And so Hope goes, okay and puts them on the ground next to the porch, and it just kind of explodes into a mushy mess. And I was like, well, that's staying there. Um, and so over time throughout the winter, like, you get, like the pieces of the pumpkin kind of went away and the seeds stayed. And it was just a normal little like uh, area that just had uh, pine straw. There was, it was not the place we intended on growing the fruit. That was in the backyard in the little plot. But as, it, as time went on, I kind of forgot about it. And then spring came and um, I noticed a little weird little weed growing up, and I'd pull some out, and this one looked different. And I, or was, I remembered there was a pumpkin there once upon a time. And then because we had so much land and coming from an apartment, I didn't have my own lawnmower, so we paid someone to cut the grass, and he cut that little plant away, and I was like, oh, no, my pumpkin. But in this little area with um, plenty of rain that fell off the roof, uh, that little plant grew back. And over, uh, as the months went on, a vine sprouted. And it kept growing and growing, and, and by the end of that, that time, we had like seven or eight pumpkins that grew. We had all this, this space in the back for this garden where it was supposed to grow and be fruitful, but this pumpkin just decided, well, this is my new home now. And we see this parable, and this parable about this sower that has this 
this farm. He knows where his plot is, but there are areas around that are not made for growing, but something was willing to grow there anyway, and we'll talk about that. This parable was probably something that many of the people Jesus was talking to, they were down with them immediately. They were like, yes, I know farming. They, a lot of these people worked hard for who they were. They weren't well off like the religious leaders. They had to grow their own food. They understood farming. They understood sowing, and they, they were with this story very well. Jesus had an, inten- had an intention of telling this story. When he, when he was preaching this, him and his disciples had just gotten off this wonderful preaching tour. They were going around, and they were talking to a lot of different people. They were gaining followers to this movement, but a lot of people could not um, abide by what Jesus was saying, so they went away. And so the disciples, they were new, they were young, they were little, they didn't know how to deal with all this. And Jesus had a parable, not just for the people, but for them. And quite often when we see parables talked about, Jesus just gives a parable and, all right, that's good. And everyone's left to contemplate what Jesus had to say. The, the people would, who weren't um, versed in scripture and the law, and they were peasants and they weren't educated, they, they were given this accessible way to understand the kingdom of God, the son of man, and what Jesus was trying to establish. They would get this, this, this tangible familiar story, and they were able to apply it to their life. And at the same time, the religious rulers that loved to um, come up to the crowd and listen to what Jesus had to say and pick everything apart because Jesus wasn't doing what he, they wanted him to do, they were often left with this message that was very unfulfilling because it wasn't this uh, message that they were given in the, the temple and they were able to discuss and contemplate and figure out what uh, was being said. They had to sit and frustration and not understand what was going on. And Jesus, knowing this with his disciples, he says to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables, so that looking they may not perceive, and listening they may not understand. And often when we're reading parables, we don't get to see the message Jesus has for his disciples later on. Once he gives his parable and leaves, he often will come to the side with his disciples and like, all right, this is what that was about. We usually don't get that kind of feedback, but this parable was a little bit different. We get an explanation for what Jesus was saying. And here he, he gives a quote within a quote. He reads, uh, Jesus quotes Isaiah 9, and in um, the snapshot we get from this um, passage in Isaiah 9, Jesus is, I'm quoting from a time when Isaiah had this vision in the throne room of God, and he said, and God says, hey, I need someone to go for me to speak to the people of Israel. They're unclean, and Isaiah says, well, I'm unclean. Who am I to go before these people and speak to them? And so an angel comes down in the throne room and touches to Isaiah's lips and cleanses his lips so what he says is pure and from God, and then this, this, uh, this word from God can be he- heard by the people. And, and God said, after cleansing him, he says, God said, go and say this to the people. Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of the people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their mind, turn and be healed. That's from Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. This is the same kind of language we see in Exodus where Pharaoh is hardening his heart 
because Moses is saying, let the people of Israel go. Let them go worship God. Let them be free. And, and time after time, he says no and gets more frustrated and hardened his heart. And, and specifically, it says God hardened his heart. And this is the point where the, the plagues start and they have to learn the hard way who God is and what God is saying. And so this is something that kind of is hard to compared to what we're seeing here, what, what does Jesus mean by, he doesn't want anyone to hear, he doesn't want anyone to see by the words that he's saying, but th this, this comment isn't for the people so much as it is for the disciples. Looking, they may not perceive, and they may not understand. This is a warning to the disciples, although everyone may hear the word of God, that doesn't mean they will listen. After this long preaching tour they were on, they encountered a lot of different people so many people were willing to follow them, lay down everything and follow them. There are several women that um, were named just prior to this in this passage to say this is who they are, this is um, that they were willing to follow him. But there were also many people that didn't follow him. And those people really bothered the disciples. They were young, they were prideful, and they were like, we're, we're following the Messiah. We, we're, who is going to sit on the right and his left? That's going to be one of us. We're big shots. We're special. God chose us. And then when people don't follow them, they're like, what's this about? This is, this is the Messiah. We've been waiting for him. Where are you going? Why are you not following us? And it turns less about the people hearing the good news and more about them not being listened to and not taken seriously. And the pride started to well up. And I think this is a warning we must heed as well. Not everyone who hears the good news will listen, but we're not done yet. Unpack this parable just a little bit. It's something you're familiar with, so I won't go through it very long, but he knows the farmer, he knows just, just not just the good soil but that he tilled and cultivated. He also knows about the birds that like to come and pick and um, some of the extra seed that was scattered. And at this point, he doesn't put the scarecrow out yet. He doesn't want to scare the birds off. He's okay with a few getting taken off by the birds, and he knows they're there and they're ready. The farmer knows that the rocks on the, about the rocks on the edge of the plot of land. He knows about the patch of weeds that grow on the area uh, that he hasn't tilled yet. He even knows about the path that is regularly traveled, that when the seeds get on them, they get trampled and they're no good anymore and they won't grow. With all this in mind, shouldn't we know not to waste the seed? Now, we know from what Jesus said, the seed is the word of God, and we have this word, and we have this, this message that we want to send, and shouldn't we know not to waste it? It's, this is a big deal. We, sh we can't waste it on everybody. We have to give it. We're going to listen. They're going to grow. They'll go to heaven, and we did our job right. That's not what Jesus is telling them here. Like the farmer in this field, he know God knows his children. Sinners and saved alike. Sinners and saved alike. We are all his. God knows all of us and has tasked his followers to spread the gospel everywhere. God's called us to spread the gospel everywhere because he, he is calling out to all of us, even though others who, uh, who have already heard. He's, he knows that there's a word to be shared, and even when we've already heard it, he said, go. Go everywhere, get to the fields, get to the places that no one's going to listen to you, go. We've already heard it, but this is not ours to just hold on to. Once we've grown, we still have a job to do. 
The work, of the, farm, the work that the farmer is doing, regardless of the autumn growth, he knows to sow just in case. Before the season began, he, was brought, he, brought his, he bought his seeds and he knew every inch of the land. Sure, he tilled a large part of it, but it's not, he's not afraid to cast it in the unfavorable lo- locations. Before we were, re- were ready to receive, he was calling out to us, even if there is a chance we act out our free will and reject him, he is still calling. In our church that we have today, we are Wesleyans, and we believe in something called provenient grace. Can you say that with me? Provenient grace, which this is very simply, it's a big word, but it's very simply God is calling out to us before we ever knew it. He knows that some of us can easily say, no, I'm good, and turn away. But he's still calling. He's still reaching out. He is still hoping and praying. And it's weird to say God's praying. But God is praying and hoping for us to reach and grab his hand and take us. He knows that there's a work to be done, and he's not giving up. He's not stopping with you and with you and with you. But he wants to reach to f- uh, further out. Even though there are some places that he knows they'll say no. He gave us this freedom to say, I'm good, I don't want it. And he loves us. Like I said, we are all his children. We are all made in the image of God. We all deserve the right to hear his good news because he sent his son to die for all of us. This is the work that we have to do as well. And now with the teens, I tasked them to make something that it, it, it's very simple and there's not a whole lot to it, but all it is is a bracelet or a necklace that you have that are made of beads, and the goal is to pray with them. It kind of helps you focus and kind of keeps you attentive because uh, it helps you pray throughout the day, and, you know, as good Nazarenes know, you pray five times a day, pointed towards Pilot Point, Texas, when you pray. (laughs) And if you didn't laugh at that, you need to go look at your church history a little bit better. But as we're praying... And we're, as we're trying to remember and we're carrying this with us, I was like, maybe I could get some more use out of this. In addition to that, you know, I'm going to have it with me anyway. So I may put this salvation bracelet group of beads on it. So if I ever needed it, I'd have it with me. And when I had to, re- I had to be reminded what these beads were, which ones, they, what colors meant, how the order was. And there are several different variations. And one caught my eye. And there's a yellow bead that I was not accustomed to um, applying when I made it as a kid. The yellow reminds us of heaven, God's love, and wants a, and that he wants us to be with him in heaven. And typically when you apply this bead to the, the series, there's black, uh, which represents sin. There's red, which represents the bl- blood of Jesus that covers us. White, w- which represents holy and purification. And there's green, which represents the growth and entire sanctification that comes out of that. And yellow is supposed to go at the end because God wants us to come and join him in heaven. But when I really read what, it, what yellow meant, I thought maybe we can put it up front. The hope of heaven and God wanting us to be with him is what makes him call to us. He wiped us out with the flood, hoping that the sin would be um, fixed, but sin didn't go away, but his children were still there, and he's calling and hoping we will join him because he wants us to be in heaven with him. He wants us to commune with him like in the garden. He doesn't want to give up on us. And so, as we go forth giving this message, giving this good news, 
God is still calling to all of us. And now, once we've heard this message and once we've grown, like I said, it is our job to then go. And then sometimes when we're going out, like the disciples, we get a little prideful. A few weeks ago, Pastor Ryan preached on a parable about the banquet table. So we took communion together. We are all called to this table, but he didn't, we didn't write the invites. God is calling us all to this table to join him in his body and in his family, this body of Christ. And too often, the ones that have grown and heard the word and have matured in the faith like to gatekeep and say, I don't know about you. You, you, you've done too much. I don't like. I don't like who you are. I don't like what you're doing. I, I don't want to. I don't want to invite you in. I'm a little worried about you. But God had the ability to say about us. I know what you've done. I know your heart. I know the sin that has taken hold of you, and it's filthy and dirty, and I don't want it. But He sent His Son to die for us anyway. So when we get that grace and we good news and we start to grow, who are we to say that to someone else? There are a lot of people that, in terms of the Almighty, do not deserve that, but neither do we. So when we have this, and we've heard it, and we've grown, and we see the, the land on the outside where the, where the rocks uh, don't, and they don't grow good roots, and the, on the road they get trampled, and we say, well, those people are out there. They weren't in the plot. They didn't hear the word. God is still calling us to go to them. We shall aim at the highest to bring forth the most fruit. In the end of the verse, or at, at the end of the parable in the verse, uh, Jesus says, let anyone with ears to hear listen. And in another translation, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And now there's a, it's easy to just take that as the plain reading of this, of what Jesus is saying. Anyone that has ears that is listening to this message right now, hear what I have to say, and that's fine. But I think I want to take that a step further. One who ha hears my words, may they understand it and apply it. But while you are out sharing the good news, speak to everyone who has ears and let them hear the good news by sharing it with them, not within it from the, uh, for them for the superficial judgment that you have on them. You might disagree with someone fundamentally and not like their lifestyle or who they vote for or any kind of judgment that we pass by what we see on Facebook or as we get to know people. But these people might be in the outskirts and they're, they're growing, but they're not getting deep. But God has still called us to go to those people and reap that. And if we're worried about what if the weeds get in, God has a plan for that too. We don't have to worry about that. That is not what he called us to do. He has invited us to this table. There are seats around us. We might bring a couple plus ones, but don't hold that seat and say, hey, you can't sit here. You can't sit here. That's not our job. We are called to reap and to grow and let God handle the rest. So as we go, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Go in peace.